Hello, welcome to another episode of It's Me, Darylin. It's me, Darylin. What's up? How's it going? I, uh, I'm feeling okay right now. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think I'm feeling good. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say good. Um, I had two shows last night, and I might be, that might be a piece of why I, I hesitated to say good, just because I feel a little bit tired, took a lot out of me last night, um, but it was, I felt, uh, like it was definitely a good experience, the first one was at QED in Astoria, and, um, it was a it was a nice small intimate audience and uh i did i did 10 minutes there and i actually i felt really good i felt really proud of the whole set actually flipped in two new jokes at the end they went okay and uh and then i I went to bushwick and i did a show after that uh and it was also a 10 minute set i did practically the same thing and they were a little uh resistant to receive me in the beginning of my set and um, I felt like there was some sort of, like, I should have acknowledged some sort of elephant in the room about me being different or something up top. I don't know what it was, but about three minutes in, they started to warm up. And then once I got into my darker stuff, then they really liked me. And then I, afterward, I was like, oh, because I have this one dark joke that I should have done. I should have just added into that set because they would. I think they would have loved it. It's I have this one dark joke that I never, uh, I never do it because I feel like it's too dark all the time. But anyway, um, both sets went well. I'm just tired because I, you know, I live in Park Slope. I had to go from Park Slope to Astoria to Bushwick back to Park Slope. Whew, it was a night, I'll tell ya. <laughs> um, but I'm feeling actually really proud of the content in my set right now, too. Uh, I wrote, I've, I've written this entire 10 minutes uh, in the last couple months, and it's all, well, except for like one or two lines, but it's all, um, it's all sort of this new structure of joke I've been doing lately, and I just, I feel proud of it, and uh, I don't know, I, I feel like I have 10 r- close to really strong minutes, and then, and now I feel like I could maybe do if I needed to, 15 at this time, which is feels like an accomplishment for me. Um, anyway, I have comedyology tomorrow night. Uh, well, sorry, when this episode comes out, it's going to be on the same day. Uh, it will be, so it's going to come out on Friday. If you hear this on a Friday, come on out, 11 o'clock, videology. And uh, we've made some progress with uh, that other show that I've mentioned uh, in other episodes at the McCarran Hotel. Uh, that's going to be starting up again real soon. We have a meeting about it on Monday. I think it's going to start in just like two weeks. So maybe three weeks. I'm not sure. Anyway, thanks for listening to my ramblings. Uh, that's pretty much my update for right now. I'm staring at my Twitter right now. Up to 1225 followers. Looking good. So if you're, if you're listening to this from Twitter... I just want to say thanks. So anyway, um, episode today, I'm really excited about the guests because he's really funny and he's done my show a couple times and he's like a great guy. So <laughs> uh, his name is Ben Kronberg. Uh, please enjoy it. Thank you for listening to It's Me, Darylin. Welcome to today's episode of It's Me, Darylin. Today we have Ben Kronberg. Oh, hi. 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 How are you? Uh, <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. I like that noise. 
<laughs> I'm good. <laughs> yeah, got a nice little screech to it. Yeah. Uh, sounds like good, but not like really good, like almost good. That's what I read from that. I mean, well, yeah, what, what would have to be the case for something to be really good? Like, is it is it void of all bad things, or is it like just that one good thing that would or could happen that would be like, oh, yeah, today's great because this great thing happened. I mean, I, I did laundry, talked to my dad, um, normal things, but, you know... The illusion of accomplishment, I guess, is there with those things. You could say it's an illusion. I feel like it sounds pretty good and productive. Sounds okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. What about, how about you? How was your day? Oh, mine was okay. I have felt tired all day. I just chugged a nice latte. Okay. It's helped. It's Working. definitely helped, yeah. And I've, I had, like, a coffee before that. I don't know what's up with me, but I, I did some work. That's pretty much it. I don't feel that accomplished, but... Yeah. That's okay. Have you have you ever had one of those butter coffees? Butter coffee. It's like where they put yeah, it's like a paleo thing or, or somewhat of a I've seen it in like paleo cafes, but basically um, you put this certain type of butter in coffee instead of like cream or whatever, and it's supposed to help sort of smooth out all the effects of the coffee. Really? Yeah. That's so interesting. If my phone wasn't charging, I'd Google it right now to to confirm that I'm not. Yeah, no, you're not, not crazy. <laughs> um, well, I'm definitely going to research this yeah, later. It's interesting. I just, Butter yeah. coffee. Yeah. Fascinating. And so you've tried it? No, I have a friend that's done it, though. Oh, okay. I know somebody who's <laughs> tried it, and they said Rel- it was really good. Reliable source, I hope. Okay. Yeah, and this, bu- this particular butter, you're supposed to also be able to eat it um, uh, just on its own or whatever, and it's supposed to, like, sustain you kind of like, you know without having to eat or without any other without having to eat well yeah it's just supposed to be like it gives you like a you know like even out your blood sugar if you're you know whatever um did you try paleo at all like the paleo diet um not per se but i've i mean i've dabbled i've Mm. dabbled in all of them i've dabbled except except the low calorie I've never, I've never dabbled in a low calorie diet. Only, <laughs> only like removing things like carbs or, blah blah blah. I, I've never gone vegetarian either. Oh, you have? I've, I've okay. Never done that. Yeah, I've done, I feel like I've done it all. Like I've tried, I tried paleo, I tried vegan, uh, I tried pesc. I was a pescatarian for like a year, um, but yeah, now I don't have any weird things. I'm just, I just kind of do whatever. But yeah. I, I gravitate toward carbs, like. I could never really do paleo because I feel like carbs make me feel complete. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they do have that thing to them. Yeah. They do. It. What's your favorite carb? Um, I like bagels a lot. Bagels. Yeah. Do I mean, you that's like? That's like, like a. That's a powerful carb. That's like an intense, dense. Thing. Yeah, I know. I, I'm not. I don't mean. I'm not messing around. <laughs> I like. I, mean, I like a bagel, but I prefer a croissant. Oh. If I'm gonna go like a breakfast sandwich, I would I would prefer a croissant. Airy, thing. lighter. Yeah, but but the buttery, so a little bit of, uh, you know, soft, crusty, <laughs> all the things. I like these croissant descriptors. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I mean, I I like the smell of pizza more than I like the taste of pizza. So I can oftentimes uh, satisfy it. A pizza craving just by just smelling, by smelling it. it, yeah, really? just by walking by it, yeah. That's great. Because if I start eating it, all it's like I'm chasing after something that I could never reach. You know, it's like uh, 
I could just keep eating it. Like, oh. and I'm not satisfied. With, oh, just, I'll just have a slice. Uh, like, as soon as I have a slice, I'm like, I want another, I want another. Really? Want another, How much yeah. will you have? I mean, I can eat a whole, uh, you know, frozen Red Baron four cheese pizza by myself. Or, uh, I mean, easily four or five slices of any sort of, you know, chain or whatever. That's pretty impressive. I would to do, me. if I, you know, if it's like a artichoke or whatever fancy bigger slice I'd still still kind of want two of those which I shouldn't Are you, I just shouldn't you shouldn't yeah I you just try, shouldn't. You just try to avoid it yeah. uh, I was obsessed with artichoke I know we're like going into this long food tangent that's okay. but <laughs> that's fine that's fine talking uh, about food is also nice you know I like it uh, I was obsessed with artichoke when I first got to New York like every night I was getting like two giant slices it was horrendous was, was the artichoke slice the slice that you were into yes that particular one what about you I do, I do like that one but to me that one gets a little boring after the first couple of bites but I think the, their margarita pizza there is one of the best margarita pizzas I've had. Every now and then, the I city. would I would branch out and I would get the margarita. But um, yeah, it and wasn't then they my have face. a crab. They have like a crab cake one now too. Yeah, that I think it's pretty good. I tried that too. Pretty salty. <laughs> I spent a little too much time there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I shouldn't know that much. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, what'd you eat today? Um, I had I had some dry roasted nuts. Um, I had a, a slice of uh, uh, the individually wrapped American cheese. Uh, but before that, I did a, a, a smoothie. I try to start each day. I have a magic bullet. Oh, okay. And I used it's to have like one of those. just like a single serving um, one where you just add all the things and boom and did twist it and kale? turn it. I did. Uh, I do frozen. I do frozen vegetables um, just because that makes it like icier. You know, you don't have to add ice. It's just like yeah. the frozen vegetables. So I do like I did frozen spinach, uh, blueberries, fresh blueberries, uh, uh, chia seeds, um, and then some cayenne and turmeric and uh, a garlic clove. You're quite the health buff, aren't you? I try. I mean, I try to. I can. I can live in the extremes. Like I'm good with. I'm good with like eating really good, like being good about eating or waiting for a while to eat. Uh, mm-hmm. But. Once I once I turn it on, or like if if I eat one bad thing, um, then my whole day is sort of like ruined. As in, like I'll just well, I'm gonna keep eating, you know, <laughs> the worst things. So I try to I try to go without, I try to start my day eating as good as I can, um, as light as I can, or whatever. And then by the end of the day, if I make a bad choice, I haven't just been making a whole day of bad choices. I, you know, that's good. You have like a buffer. Try to fall back on it. You're I try to, but then insurance. I can eat a lot late too, and it's like, what do you do? And I love a cheeseburger, and, and you know, <laughs> they're not the too. best for you, but they, <laughs> for some reason, they really satisfy. Uh, like to me, a cheeseburger doesn't really smell that good, but a cheeseburger tastes great. Unless uh, you're grilling a burger, grilled grilled meat is is always the best smell. I, I'm less specific about smells with food as you seem to be. Mm-hmm. I I do like a good cheeseburger, but I 
Yeah, I mostly try to not to have too much meat, and then like every now and then, every like two weeks or something, I'll be like, I feel a little bit weak, and I'll have a cheeseburger, and <laughs> that's how I balance that. That's probably not the best thing. You like, hurt your wrist lifting the uh, remote control. Time to have a yeah. Time to have a burger. But actually, I, like I'll get like little bruises on me. I'm like, oh, I think I'm kind of anemic right now. Time to eat some blood. It's a thing. It's yeah. a thing. I dated a girl who who is who is anemic who. You know, uh, she might still be, and uh, you know, after all said and done. But she eventually, like after we broke up, she went vegetarian, and uh, I don't know that that helps the whole. I don't think it does. I think you have to take supplements. Yeah, I used to take iron pills. Yeah, Slofi, Slofi or whatever. Oh, is that a brand for iron pills? Yeah, it's like one one of them. Oh, okay. It's one of them. Might even be a prescription one. Oh yeah, mine was just over the counter. Yeah. Of the kind of ir- ir- irony. <laughs> yes. Irony. Yeah, I, I went in and, and bought irony. Yep, that's... <laughs> um, well, this is cool that you're here doing this with me. Thanks for, for doing the old podcast. Why not? I, it's a great environment. Um, yeah, we're at Bunga's Den. I don't, I don't feel forced to drink now, which not that I usually do when I come here, but it usually seems a little bit more of like a, like a bar flies bar in a sure. way, like in this area. So it's like... You know. Yeah, and it'll be like more nighttime. It's like three o'clock now. Like, yeah. It's like no pressure. Yeah. We just chilling. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Cool. It's fine. How long are you in town for? I know you travel so much. Um, I'm in town for the next probably two months. Next uh, July and August, really. And oh. Then I got a couple gigs here and there, but pretty much back trying to get back on my comedy feet here because that's the thing. It's great living here and doing shows but it's hard to uh you know leaving a lot then I'm disconnected from all the shows then I have to like refigure out all right where where do I perform and luckily I get a handful thrown at me but I still have to make the effort to to book shows which is good because you can't you know it would be nice if it was just like you know people were like hey be on my show be on my show be on my show and but it's not always the case because there's so many comedians, right? Unless right. you're in people's faces that, that like and always hit stuff that you know it's hard for them to want to book you. That's crazy that I feel like even at your level that you feel that though because I mean you have like you have like multiple TV credits behind you and stuff like yeah, maybe I should lie. No, everybody I get shows from every I have to turn shows down. <laughs> that's the that's the lie of of uh, the fantasy lie. Yeah, I feel like that's the struggle, like will, like being honest about it, because I feel like everybody has like these perceived uh, reputations that they put forth about themselves, but I guess everybody goes through that, right? And it doesn't matter what level you're at. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, it, but that's the thing, it's like different for everybody, like even two people that might have similar or the same credits are still having a pretty different experience, even if they're both located in LA or New York. Sure there's still a thing that you know and Facebook and Twitter and you're always confronted with other people's success which is you know the double-edged sword of discouragement discouragement and motivation where where it's like oh I'm not on that list or I didn't get into that festival or blah 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 but then it's sort of like well do you want you know do you want to and then you have to kind of put it out there and also realizing that realizing that all the opportunities in comedy are perpetual so they're they're always coming back around it's not That's like a good point. this isn't you know it's real easy to you know 
even even for people that try to get um, you know promotions or raises in their jobs um, you know oh I tried for this promotion I didn't get it then you you probably not going to get that promotion you know you're going to have to get another job or something like that but with comedy you oh I didn't get into that festival you can try again next year or you can try again next year right next year so much of how people react is like end all be all and I think a lot of it is like people like where I'm at like three four years in they just they're in a rush to do it as fast as possible Mm -hmm. uh but I guess that all you know (coughs) how many years have you been doing comedy for um about 13 years now 13 wow so um, i mean i just imagine i don't know like where do you feel like the time pressure like of having the race wears off a little and you're just like well i'm just doing this yeah i don't i mean there's always a little bit of time pressure like i feel the time pressure not so much as i've been doing comedy for so long as in i'm i'm getting older or things that you know perhaps younger people would be considered for maybe i'm not or whatever um, mm-hmm. But I think all that's just mental, too, because it's like we, we all set up obstacles for ourselves to to either stop us from doing something or to hopefully, like, give us, like, a goal to, to, to overcome it. But um, I think, I you know, having done it for so long, I've just – I've experienced a lot of those self-imposed obstacles and other external obstacles of, like – Having an agent, not having an agent. Right. Having an agent, but not feeling like they're doing anything for me. Or sometimes not having an agent and getting my friends' agents help me, you know, getting their help because my friend who's represented by them is like, hey, I want, I want him to do this show or whatever. So, like, I've experienced those, both those sides of it. And it's, like, I... I definitely haven't figured it out um but i think things are changing with the internet with facebook twitter instagram this new app called periscope um lots lots of things that are that are out there that allow you to connect with people and markets and venues and other things that that you know it makes not having an agent not so bad I saw your Periscope broadcast. Well, I saw I saw one of them. I saw you. Yeah, which one was it? I was was I performing? Yeah, you just said a videology. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that was was a fun one. That was a fun one. Um, Yeah, I just I've been trying to do it since it came out because I'd never I've never jumped on a a social media bandwagon quickly or or like right away, right when it comes out. So Mm -hmm. I always felt like I was. You know, kind of always catching up, or oh, yeah, I got to get more Twitter followers. How do you get more Twitter followers? And then it's like Vine happens, and then all these, you know, Vine people become famous or mm-hmm. popular. And you know, it happened with YouTube and uh, Bo Burnham and, and things like that. Like, there's lots of different ways to get out there, and it's that thing of like, well, when you haven't experienced the the success or the 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 explosion or the whatever notoriety that that you've seen other people have from those things a lot of times people want to you know ditch it and i found to just kind of like play the the turtle role of of slow and steady and mm-hmm. keep <clears throat> doing things and putting it out there and you never know who's going to you know 
Yeah, you really, you don't know what's gonna happen. I think the cool thing about Periscopes in in particular, not that I've been good about, I, I did like one or two broadcasts, and and I was like, I, I clammed up and felt weird about it, but uh, that's just me being shy and insecure. But um, the cool thing I think about Periscope is just how you are getting live feedback as your set's going. So yeah. like, like when you're on stage, you have to rely on being sort of telepathic with the audience and just reading them, just yeah. reading their physicalities. But you're getting actual messages of, yeah. of audience members. Yeah, yeah, you're getting, you're getting the uh, per- perhaps what people in the, you know, how many people in the actual physical audience are thinking the things that the people that are watching you mm-hmm. are actually saying or they feel brave to say it because you you can't see them they'll just they can say anything right yeah like it's like a i think that's so cool yeah it's an it's an interesting thing and i've had fun doing it though it's like i need a uh, been really uh using a lot of my data so i have to try to do it when there's um uh, uh wi-fi, wifi try yeah. to get on wi-fi but a lot of times the net your a network is a better connection than wi-fi depending on how good the place's wi-fi connection is okay so i usually try to go to a place first, check out to see if their Wi-Fi is good. I usually do that by updating an app and usually how fast your app updates will kind of tell you how fast the internet is working. Okay. And then if, if it if it does that good, then I'll go for it. But then, um, but yeah, I'm actually going to be periscoping again at Videology on Saturday. There's like a cosplay thing happening from 3 to, uh, three to 7 or three, 3 to something on Saturday and uh, it's like people that play like you know role playing and different oh. weird sort of co- costume play it's like co- you know oh. so this um, these people that have this thing called hero hair they uh, you know they're doing it and I, so I met them and I told them I periscope because I'm looking for just different things to periscope not just periscope sets or when I'm at the coffee shop or juice shop I want to like kind of you know create interesting content because my periscope is almost like you know each person's periscope is kind of like their network or you get to curate it however you see fit so sometimes it's periscoping a weird weird dude on bedford or you know late night joking yeah 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 etc um okay well yeah uh so you're kind of like able to set up a whole world for people to see yeah, yeah. All they have to do is just sort of like open the door by hitting play, and then it's like, look at all the cool, interesting things that Ben is currently yeah, theoretically, surrounded you know, by. Theoretically. <laughs> yeah, but, but it helps to kind of create the... Because I think that's also the thing is like with with the internet at our fingertips, with all the social media and, and Instagram and blah, 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 ways to put content out there, um, though we, it would be nice, you know, that thing of having our our own myths be be propagated by other people like other people talking about you being you know the hot ticket item or mm-hmm. having a lot of heat behind your what's going on like being the Amy Schumer yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, the whoever whoever is is out there but we're kind of in charge of creating our own myths where you know so you kind of have to you know we're given these resources and we can use them at, at will which is like you know sometimes it's like oh that was a good tweet it only got like three likes but then they just started doing um you can see analytics for your own tweets now oh yeah i don't have the new app update i need to get so if you click on the little analytic bar graph icon in in your tweet 
you can actually see more more is happening in the background than you think because a a tweet used to just be thought of on the surface level of of uh, you know faves and retweets and if it didn't get a lot of faves and it didn't get a lot of retweets it's not a successful tweet mm-hmm. or it's not reaching anybody but then you see the background of the analytics and you see oh wait you know actually 60 people clicked on this or you know you know 100 people viewed this thing so you see the positive side that a lot of people <clears throat> uh saw it though because like if i saw that i might feel bad about myself that like all those people saw and then they didn't save <laughs> I, yeah that, i think that's the the thing of it too right but like i mean it could all but it, you know it's just sort of like reframing trying to reframe those things and because you can always look at the the shitty part of the thing. That's a good point. Because the shitty part of the thing is always around the corner or could be could be looked at. Like, you could look at anybody walking in the room and you could find what you think is wrong with them, what looks stupid with their outfit, what what you think about this. Or you could be like, oh, hey, the, really like your hair. I really like, you know, cool shoes, you know. But then there's the um, everybody, you know, everybody wants to be cool walking in the door but we also fear everybody thinking that we're not cool at the same time. And so we're all doing this, and it's all this like weird sort of confused, I guess, but real way to interact. Like, it's just how how it is. Yeah, it's so interesting what you're saying, because um, I'm like thinking to myself, like, oh, maybe I am uh, more negative than I should be. Like, maybe I should be trying more hard to be uh, optimistic and positive through all this. And I'm... I, you know, I realized that I think the way, the reason why my mind automatically goes to that is I think because, you know, I'm like three and a half years into comedy. Yeah. And I've spent so much time just analyzing all my sets these past couple of years and being like, well, what went wrong here? What went wrong here? Uh-huh. And I think soon I'll get to a point where, like, uh, it doesn't, like, it, I, I am going to have to just flip it and be like, actually, it mostly went well. Because I, I think when you're just, when you're starting out, you have to focus on the negatives. For a little while. Do you agree with that? I'm just philosophizing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think, you know, the self-awareness that would allow you to accept uh, a joke that didn't go over well or, a, 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 you know, way that you're telling a joke that isn't working or blah, blah, blah is important. Because I've definitely seen people in comedy kind of um, go through with their blinders on and kind of figure certain things out enough to you know to be passable or funny enough to occasionally get sets but then they're never really you know um the ones that people are talking about of how how funny they were or blah 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 Mm. um you know also it's nice to it's hard when you're first starting out and even any time to sort of occasionally just sit back and enjoy comedy like when you're at a show you're either thinking about you know your jokes because you're going up soon or you're thinking about man why am I not on this show and this fucking person's on the show like there's all those things that you could think that that would put you in a certain space um I mean I try to record most every set um uh if I can I don't always listen to all of them but I just try to try to have it for like posterity and just to kind of occasionally I'll listen back to a random set and have a little bit of distance from it so I'm not like thinking it or trying to figure out wait did I say something did I say a new joke during this set and try to listen for that and Mm -hmm. um 
but still listening to myself I'm like oh wait I totally when I was on stage it totally felt like they laughed a bit more at that than this recorded version which obviously there's only just a couple chuckles and yeah and figuring out what happened with my experience that I thought that this joke did good even though it's telling you know the 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 tale of the tape is like telling you otherwise and I I um I don't know I, I don't know. <laughs> I've had that disconnect before, too. Yeah. I'm like, wait a second. That's not the reality I remember. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I also think it's important to, uh, like, there there was a guy starting out when I started out the new talent circuit in Denver, and mm-hmm. there was a way that he would judge comics on new talent night and take him, take everybody in the back and give them notes you know, and it was seemed productive and interactive, and it was nice. But he did this thing called laughs per minute. Oh yeah. You know, I've like how many, how many, how many laughs did you get per minute? And it was always this, this interesting thing because everybody has different lengths of jokes, and laughs come at different times. And if you're doing a shorter joke, so you might get more laughs. But if you're doing a longer joke, you might get fewer laughs, but a bigger laugh. And uh, it really, like, I mean, comedy is inherently you know about laughing but performing is also about entertaining and so I think to focus too much on just laughs that you're getting um, will sometimes keep you from realizing the other uh, factors or um, the other uh, the other parts of performing that are as important mm-hmm. and like and so I at one point I kind of shifted my my mental goal from trying to be getting the most laughs or being the funniest to to just trying to be the most memorable. So like if people were going to talk about somebody after the show, what would I have to do to make that happen? Yeah. Um, You know, some all the comedians' egos, they everybody wants to be the funniest, right? Sure. Um, But in in a sea of funny people. You know, everybody has good sets, everybody has bad sets, and everybody is, you know, always, you know, maybe consistently doing great. Um, Or maybe some people are always struggling, but, you know, I think just focusing on different parts of performing and, like, being, you know, entertaining or charismatic, whatever whatever that means for you, or engaging, or having people actually want to listen to what you're saying, Mm -hmm. regardless of whether you're making them laugh or not. Um... Because I've ha- I've seen plenty of comedians or whatever where I've seen them perform, and I'm not engaged by them yet. They're making the whole audience laugh, and I don't know if that means that I don't think they're funny or if that means that you know the, they're making people laugh, but yet I'm not engaged enough. But then other comedians, for whatever reason, you know, I'm like totally captivated by. And then the whole room might not be there. And the whole room might not be on board with them, but yet I can see, I can, I think I can see what's going on and sort of the special moment and what they're doing. And, and it's like, what, you know, it's like, do you want to be the, I, I think you have to be a little bit of everything to, to keep doing it, but you know, you can give people the, the stuff and that's why people, uh, you know the the distinction of of blue comedy or or dirty jokes versus clean comedy. You know, mm-hmm. and how the, there's sort of this thing of this reverence of 
you know, oh, he's a clean comic, Brian Regan, he, yeah, but he's totally clean, or, or whatever, sure. you know, um, but he's always using at some point during his set a funny voice or <clears throat> ways that he's saying things that is sort of like, that's why people are laughing, it's not even because the ideas as much as because of how he's saying the ideas, you know, it's like yeah. the, that whole distinction of, it's you know, some comedians, it's how you say it and others it's like what you say and that's the difference between you know a comic and a whatever but you know just all the different things that that you can think of like you know so I didn't always do different voices in my comedy I would be more deadpan uh-huh. but kind of as I went along kind of let the other people that I was watching seep in and influence me I would notice myself <clears throat> like doing something like somebody else maybe out of my own original character Mm -hmm. or trying an impression where I have to kind of do be something different than how I usually am or yeah with you specifically I I noticed like with your late night with Seth Meyers uh, video you know you're very well like and I imagine like because you were on TV like you had to do like your your, just your straight jokes but Mm -hmm. like when I see you at bar shows you're so much more loose and you, Mm -hmm. you know you're uh, you, you come out of the one-liner format so much more, and it, it really does engage the room. Uh, I mean, do, do you make a conscious choice, even when you're doing just, like, big shows on the road, to be more, like, sticking to the book and sticking to your jokes? Or what's that a product of, like, smaller shows versus bigger shows, or what? I mean, it all, it all depends. Like, if I have a shorter show that's, you know, and I'm just trying to get, you know, doing a showcase or a, a TV set, generally they just want... They want you want to remove the obstacles for those people. So unless your your general, unless the mode that you've put out there and sold to these people that are booking these things, um, they want to you know they just want to see. We just want to see this. I want to see a tight set. And I want to see like joke punch. You know, set up punchline. Set up punchline. Because a lot of the tone of any given late night set, with the exception of a few is kind of very similar, right? Mm -hmm. But a comedian, when you see him live, most have a little, you know, are a little bit more relaxed or in the the flow of it. But, I mean, that's why I like Periscope is because it allows me to just do what I'm normally doing and and put it out there. Yeah. You know, or try try to anyways. Um, uh, And hopefully people like it. But then it's just like, you know... There's always going to be somebody that doesn't like it or, yeah. you know, like right now there's a, a booker of a late night show who I started a dialogue. I, this happened multiple times with this particular booker. Uh-huh. Started dialogue with them and then um, it's like, okay, yeah, we, you know, one one back and forth and then and then no response. And then so it's these weird things of like, you know, but I thought you liked what I was doing or I yeah. thought you liked what I presented to you. and But then just cut off the cut off the dialogue which I guess is just a human thing right I guess so like humans do (laughs) humans do do that I mean do you think it uh, are you working like you're going directly without an agent with the the booker yeah yeah I can only imagine I bet like when it's an agent communicating they probably fall I mean I don't know I just work in sales but I imagine Mm -hmm. agents probably follow up a ton yeah there's probably well hopefully hopefully they would Um, but I you know I booked uh, Seth Meyers without without an agent that's you know, so cool directly that you with the that. booker and um so that's like a relationship i'm trying to keep on but also try to get on some of these other shows just to kind of be 
you know, whatever. And then hopefully, uh, you know, one of these days it'll all <laughs> it'll all be a you know a story or something. I mean, it'll all you be got another podcast. <laughs> you gotta have a story at this point, man. I mean, like I feel like you've done so much. Um, you said two uh, really cool things. I kind of just like uh, let you go on with what you're saying because I I felt really. Uh, interested in it all. Um, one thing you said is trying to be memorable uh, rather than just be the funniest. I thought that was really interesting. I was thinking about that even last night. Because, like, uh, you know, Bill Hicks has that thing where he's like, if you can't be funny, be interesting. I think mm-hmm. that's, like, one of his quotes, right? Yeah, yeah. That sounds like him. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know. Because, like, I'm learning, the more, like, the, as the more I go, that, like, I'm just not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Uh-huh. Um, like, last night I had one show in a more, like, like a uh, QED oh, yeah, in Astoria, yeah. and I yeah. felt like that was more of like a clubby sort of like traditional environment, uh-huh. even though it's small. But you yeah, know, yeah. and then I had a show in Bushwick, and uh, I I did the exact same set at both places. And at the first one, I started strong, and then lost him a little at the end when I went a little darker. And at the other one, same set, uh, started weak because I started light. And then got them when I went darker. Uh-huh. It's so interesting how different audiences of different types can receive you that way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, there's all the different factors that are always playing into it with with that. Like, I've tried to be mindful of, you know, like, whenever you're watching a movie, mm-hmm. they usually, you know, try to make, you know, in the movie something happens either to the character or the character does something that you know makes you like them gets you on their side i think that's one of the things of of the idea of uh like self-deprecating comedy and especially putting those sorts of jokes up front in your set or sort of like everybody then kind of feels for you Mm -hmm. you know like i'm like blah 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 cross with blah 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 you know this is you know and it's like you're making fun of yourself and so i've tried to i i didn't really do that a lot like I'll I'll tend to try to open up a set more abstractly with like a like some sort of meta joke or just weirdness to get people prepared for you know different things and maybe some weirdness down in the set to kind of give them a hint you know like I don't go you know all the weird up front but definitely enough weird up front to where when I do explore that weird and I'm not just going doing a normal poop joke or whatever Mm -hmm. I can you know, have that be established, but I still, you know, I try to like analyze my, my set to think, well, what is, what is it in my set that I do self-deprecating? And lately it's been like the material that I, when I talk about my dad Mm -hmm. and not having a good relationship with him or, you know, um, my girlfriend makes me take a screenshot of my phone every time I text her that my battery is almost dead. Like that, that joke, even though it's not directly self-deprecating, it's just sort of saying like, you know, I have a, it's making fun of my own situation as opposed to, you know, midgets that like to carve objects into wood prefer to be called whittle people, <laughs> Yeah. you know, and that, that has nothing, that's just like, you know, wordplay, it's also like, you know, the taboo of midget word. Yeah, yeah. You know, all those things that, that are, that is charged with, but none of those things, like I have to say at least something you know, ideally, or just establish out of the gate that, like, okay, these are the types of jokes that I'm going to be doing. You right. Know, if it's, like, a shorter set. Yeah, give them, like, the, like the, this is, give them, like, the, a sample of the unique tone that's coming, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. 
But that's like I feel like your your midget joke and your other two jokes. Well, I don't know. Well, I know some of the stuff you say about your dad, but like it all does. Sort he of, doesn't. <laughs> Turn on the TV, Ben's yeah, dad. Yeah. <laughs> I see he's on there saying, "Papa, where are you?" No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it does kind of match though, you know, because it's like you're setting up that you have this like uh, like uh, comically dysfunctional. Uh, setup of people that are, are, are all around you and then it, like it, it sort of does match though to like uh, then throw in those like odd little wordplay jokes at like yeah. random things too yeah <clears throat> yeah it's hard like I like puns a lot and so when I first moved to New York I was really just doing a lot of puns and exploring them for better or worse whether they were you know the funny type of pun that everybody likes or the the one that people are just like feel betrayed by because you know you said that oh really <laughs> yeah you know and I even had like Mike Racine come up to me like early on in, in uh, when I was here and after like an open mic he's like hey man why are you doing those uh why are you doing all those puns and stuff you're better than that I know you're funnier than that oh. you know kind of, that's an interesting thing <laughs> how'd you, know? you respond to that I was just like well that's just what I what I'm doing but thanks good yeah. looking out yeah, uh, but I think that's just his sense of humor too. Is sort sure. of like a, a bit of ball busting or also, whatever, yeah, that's true. but you know, and just sort of you know, uh, candid, candidly uh, uh, saying saying what you think because that's the you know the truth in comedy. Just being honest sometimes, you know, I think that's the thing too. We we work so much on jokes, like how to make this joke funny, but many times just saying something totally that is honest without even trying to make it funny can be really funny yeah without you know without fucking around with the the word order or anything of just say, like that's kind of the the thing of, about the you know my girlfriend makes me take a screenshot of my phone every time I text her that my battery's dead that's just like an honesty not even a wasn't even trying to be a joke you know sure you know and then I say how's stuff going with you and that kind of turns into like a little tension release or punchline addition on to it yeah um and then i found other jokes to kind of go after that thing but the initial idea of that is just like a, oh this is the you know or my mom you know a couple of the, the honesty jokes like my mom uh called me this weekend and she said if um she said if she wins the lottery she's gonna buy me an ipad is that well, and that's but that was just like honestly what happened. Like she's oh, like, hey, if I win, oh, if I win lotto, I'm gonna buy you an iPad, and that's like kind of my mom's way of calling me and say saying, hey Ben, I'm probably not gonna buy you an iPad because <laughs> okay. she, you know, she's yeah. not gonna win the lottery. Yeah, yeah, you know? okay. Sorry. So she, the, was, the only, like, yeah, the, the, the yeah, the only way she can tell me that she didn't, she's, she, you know, she can't tell me I'm not gonna buy you an iPad. She says, if I win the lottery, I'll buy you an iPad. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. she was actually trying to be honest, like be uh, be sincere about like something nice and kind, but it wasn't. I'm really. with you now. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, okay. <laughs> um, okay. Well, um, with, I mean, you said you started in Denver, right? And then you also were you did comedy in LA too, right? Yep, I was in Denver for most of my life. Did comedy there for about five years. Moved to LA for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, now I've been here for a while, but LA was all right. LA was fine. It's a good place. You like looked, Denver's great. You like looked into off into space. You were like LA's for great. a while. Like, for a while. are, are you happy here years. in New York? 
Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Okay. I like it because when I moved here was when I started actually making money doing comedy in colleges and actually doing it for my living. So it, it has a sort of association to it. Plus, I, I leave so much that I don't get sick of it. Whereas, like, when I was in L.A., I, I wasn't – I was just there straight for the two years and just sort of, like, wallowing in the, the realization of where my career wasn't, you know, which mm. I think it happens a lot to – people anywhere but you know I, I also want to have a good life and enjoy myself and not just be career driven which you know is could either be good or bad but I'm also looking for the longevity of the experience and not you know there's always time to uh, become Bill Cosby right <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, oh my like, god that's like ridiculous. you know you know I mean, Martin Lawrence now is, is a, you know, he, he, he was performing at a, you know, Martin Lawrence, Martin Lawrence was at the comedy club in Denver recently, mm-hmm. but not at the big theater, right? Not like the big theater that Aziz Ansari oh. was at, not at the, the big theater that Jim Gaffigan does, but he okay. was at the comedy club, which is, you know, good because they won't even book me on at that comedy club, of really? the, the comedy club where oh. I'm from, yeah. So it's like a thing, and uh, that's no, yeah, that's another thing that like the scene that I started in. Don't re- I get a lot of love from Denver and the current scene that goes on, but mm-hmm. the club that I started in, they've been very tight with giving me stage time. That's really weird. Like if you started there and you've done all this stuff now. Yeah, it's just one of the realities of of how it is, and I've I've fought with it, and like in my mind of being like, why, and fist to the sky, and like, what the, you know, what can I do, you know, and but then it's just like, well, there's, it's not the only club, and when I lived there, in my mind, it was like the, the club, right? It was the only club, and it was just I was only thinking, oh, Denver, but then once I moved to L.A. and then New York, I realized, wait, there's all these clubs and mm-hmm. you know and if you if you try for all of them or all you know all the venues you're gonna get some of them you know and the more venues you have around you the better you know yeah that's a good point I mean um and then not even just New York LA but then like how about the rest of the, like once you started doing the rest of the country too you know yeah uh where's your favorite place to go up um I mean I really I mean New York is, is sort of the thing in, in the, the obvious answer just because it's like there's so many shows and so many comedians and it's like fun and it, even though there's probably some cliques and in, in groups and stuff it doesn't feel too impenetrable do you have a favorite um, uh, venue in New York? Um, I don't know I've, I, I try not to play favorites with with venues in my mind because then it'll it excludes other opportunities for things to become good you know like I just like being able to perform whenever uh, um, you know I've, I've had some good fun sets at the stand recently but it, that gives me this sort of like club satisfaction of like I'm performing in a comedy club for an audience that's a comedy club audience so that let, lets me sort of check that off my my thing of like okay yeah I can perform in a comedy club and mm-hmm. and and do good but um I've had a lot of fun at uh Seth Herzog's show uh Sweet 
uh, it's the Slipper Room. It's on like Tuesday nights, and it's like a fun show where I felt like free, and I don't have to just be. I don't just have to go and do the set that I would do at a club, you know. But it's still a, a, a you know, a good enough audience to where it's just like a, and people are with you and mm-hmm. listening to whatever you're saying, and that's nice. Um, I gotta go to that show. I haven't been there it's actually. Fun. Yeah, it's real fun. Uh, um, you know, I've done. I did do Whiplash a couple times, but again, that that's another one of the guys who books that doesn't hasn't you know been very responsive always whenever wow. I'm um, asking for shows but then um, UCB East is good it's fun uh, I don't know Any, I mean all, all the all the shows all the shows are equal B perform you prefer great. like all D versus club B mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I prefer it. That is just where I get more of my opportunities. So I go, you go with the the path of least resistance when it comes to getting stage time. Yeah. Um, but I do like, I really like performing at comedy clubs. And if they're a good club, like the Comedy Works in Denver is, is one of the best clubs I've ever performed at. Um, there's plenty of other clubs, but clubs have politics that are more that corporate structure of weird things and like they're they're not always for the performer they're not always in support of the people that are performing even though they'll put a big poster of them up or or give you a bar tab or pay at the end of your your thing um there's the thing in comedy clubs where they have uh uh comment cards in comedy clubs that have comment cards are like Mm -hmm. it's really frustrating because you know, just like Yelp, right? Like, even if you're a good restaurant and blah, 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 you you, you open it up to Yelpers and then somebody's going to find, you know, usually people that give their opinion like to complain more than, uh, more than um, you know, uh, com- commendate, commendations yeah. or complaints. You know, more than like compliment. Right, there's know? not going to be like a ton of like, great job, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and so, and ultimately the... It's all just information collection that they're doing these comment cards for, um, <clears throat> but but sometimes they go like they want to be like you know how would you rate the comedians on a scale of this to this or how would you how how would you rate this and this and you know who was your favorite comedian what didn't you like about the show you know like asking people you know somebody somebody had had a bad night leading up to that all, all the different factors that could go into somebody complaining and it's like well did you laugh or not um, you know it should be that simple right? or it should be like well also like it's okay to not like things and that you know people that are there providing a service or entertainment for people they want everybody to like it but the reality is not everybody <clears throat> not everybody that served a bloomin' onion is gonna like the bloomin' onion not everybody right. that served steak is you know they're or whatever even if they like steak they're like well i like my steak like this well this is the way that this steak is cooked you know and and you can't really cater to people like that like that's the idea of like having fans and people know you or want to see you that's great and then they'll give you the benefit of the doubt but when you're a stranger to them they're like you know they have one certain type of comedy in their head and then they're just juxtaposing that with what they're experiencing from you and it might be in your favor but it could not be because they might be like yeah 
I didn't really get it. Or why is he using his notebook? Or all the different things. Yeah, you know? like everybody has their own personal life experiences, and some people purely base their definition of comedy on like uh, romantic comedies they see in the theater. Yeah, they're like, this isn't what I thought. Yeah, I mean. That makes perfect sense. And then sometimes I think when people have different expectations, it might just take them like three to four minutes to like warm up in an audience. And yeah. then they'll be totally on board once they can adjust to what's going on that's different. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully. But I think it's like that thing you wouldn't, you know, like with, you go see a, a, a band play and, you know, the venue... You know, if, if somebody left that 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 show, it's fine because they're just not into that music, or that music's too loud, or it's not their cup of tea, and it's okay right. to not like stuff, and it's okay to have that that response that is leaving or that whatever. Right. But then once you're given the opportunity to, or you take it upon yourself to complain about it, you know, like it's not like a, a venue that books a band would be like, hey, could you not play that one song anymore because people thought that that song was too loud. Yeah, you know, or something that like it's crossing boundaries. I yeah, think. it's like and it, and it's like well, this is, you know, my art or performance for better or for worse, and you know, it's a part of the the thing too. Like if I've had plenty of people walk out of of my shows in different contexts, mm-hmm. it it tends to have more of an impact on me and my future gigs when I when that happens in a comedy club. But it's more likely to happen in a comedy club because people go there with um, more narrow expectations, mm-hmm. you know, about what they're seeing or they, you know, they're not as accepting. But but sometimes they are. When you've gotten, like, those negative comment cards, like, have you ever had a booker give you uh, feedback, like, to take out certain things in your set or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, I did a, I did a show at Comedy Club on State in Madison, which is, you know, touted as one of the best comedy clubs in the country and it was it was really awesome everybody was really nice there but they have comment cards and um during one of my last sets uh one of the tables got up and left and it was like a table that was close to the stage so it was like very wasn't just like they could stick out but they they got up and during they got up during when i did this the rap song that i'll close with and i do you know do this thing and even though I have plenty of people come up to me afterward and say how much they liked it um, because they had a couple comment cards and people that thought it was too offensive or whatever I said was too offensive then basically they the comedy club the manager was like hey we're gonna have to uh, we we have somebody else doing a guest set and um, uh, you know maybe you, you just do a shorter set and uh, I was like, well, okay, what what don't you want me to do? And it was like right before my last show, and I was like, what don't you want me to do? And they're like, yeah, well, just don't just don't do that song. And it was like so frustrating because it's like I did I had already done, you know, I had already done the theoretical damage, whatever in their minds. Like I and they were just trying to do damage control. Right. That's not what what comedy and running a club should be is damage control. I mean, there's certain things perhaps but I I had done that sort of set at colleges and plenty of different venues and comedy clubs to where it's always been fine yeah you know sure there's always people that don't like it but in this case that I had to adjust 
instead of them defending comedy and free speech and and them booking me, they had to they had to pull back and be like, we ha- we can't we we just had a, we just had a table leave, you know, and it's like it's okay to have a table leave. Well, that's you know? the problem with people being business minded in a like in an artistic setting is they're trained to think about the audience a hundred percent and to yeah. think about like the money that's going to come from the audience. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that's the that's the thing. Well, that's that's the thing that that happens. Yeah, it was, it was a thing. I like that song. You did that in my show. Yeah, yeah. It's thank you. Yeah, it's a, it's a thing, but it's just a part of the the things that sort of like presents you with like okay. Are you now gonna? Are you now gonna pull your punches the next show? Or are you gonna avoid that song? Or are you gonna just keep, you know, plowing forward to right. to to do it, to own it, you know? And it's like I didn't get into comedy or stay into comedy so I could, you know, not that I don't bite my tongue sometimes, but that's not why I got into it. You know, I got it so I could say whatever I want. Yeah. And, you know, wear whatever I want and be whoever I want. And it's also, like, not that an offense, like offensive of a song. Like, Yeah, there's plenty of way more offensive things than, that people are humming along to in their cars. Yeah. You know? Uh, well, that's ridiculous. It's the subversive. It's when it's explicit. I don't know. Whatever. Mm, well... Anyway, I think it's uh, it's about time. It's about time. It's about time. We talked for long enough. Yeah, okay. yeah, I think so. But okay. you've been like super honest, and uh, you've shared so much intel, and I really appreciate that. Well, so. uh, well I hope you and your listeners <laughs> take it all with a grain of uh, sea salt. <laughs> yes, yeah, sea salt specifically. Sea salt. Okay, you know, Himalayan sea salt. <laughs> the pink Himalayan sea salt. Yeah, we're gonna get that. Uh, at the organic grocer. Yep. yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you again. Oh, thank and, you. Um, nice to see you, and thanks for listening, you guys. Bye.